Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. This is your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're going to be getting into Chapter 1 of Michael Adam, The Mystery of Creation. Listen to the reader program first, which is about 11 and a half minutes, and then we'll get into the reading. Thank you for listening. The Mystery of Creation, Chapter 1 of Michael slash Adam. It is the first principle of the Gospel to know for a certainty the character of God. N. Joseph Smith, there are but very few beings in the world who understand rightly the character of God. N. Joseph Smith, Preface, there seems to be no end to the mysteries surrounding the creation of mankind, this and other worlds and even the creation and identity of God himself. The prophet Joseph Smith once said, We never can comprehend the things of God and of heaven, but by revelation. We may spiritualize and express opinions to all eternity, but that is no authority. TPJS P 292 For this reason, We need to look to the words of the prophets as well as personal revelation to help in understanding many of these mysteries. Without spiritual guidance we tend to follow the customs, traditions, and teachings of the world and dash a world with very little spiritual understanding. The purpose of this book is to help in answering such questions as, who created the spirits and bodies of mortals on this earth? When? How and why did we come here? Who is the God of this earth? With the gospel restoration in these last days came important information on these subjects. Available within these pages are the history and teachings of what has become known as the Adam God Doctrine, as it was recorded by early leaders of the LDS Church and then evolved to its current stage of denial. 7. Chapter 1 Introduction, The Mystery of Creation, Theologians, Scientists, Philosophers, in fact nearly all mortals, at some time, have wondered how mankind got on this earth. For many centuries various theories have been propounded and discussed, but seldom have any of them carried the spirit of truth. Until the time of the Gospel Restoration in 1830, Speculation and disputation had caused contention and division among religious sects and scientists alike. Most people still remember the famous monkey trial that was debated for several days in the courts and dash between Darwin's theory and biblical statements. Nothing was proved or resolved, and people remained in the same state of confusion as before. With the restoration of the gospel, the Lord said, For I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, things that pertain to the dispensation of the fullness of times. Deant C. 124-41 The great prophet, Joseph Smith, understood what the Lord was saying and he commented, There are many things which belong to the powers of the priesthood and the keys thereof, that have been kept hid from before the foundation of the eight world. They are hid from the wise and prudent to be revealed in the last times. THC 4, 209-210 The restoration has brought a flood of light upon many hidden and lost truths. However, many more remain, as the prophet Joseph said he could divulge only a very few of the things which the Lord had revealed to him. Brigham Young said the prophet left the elders of Israel in the dark on many mysteries, because they were unable to receive the knowledge that God wanted them to understand. Joseph revealed a few of these mysteries in one of his last and greatest addresses called the King Follett Discourse. Other information was revealed by him to a few trusted friends in Dash at least once concerning some of the mysteries of creation and the Godhead, part of which was later made public by President Brigham Young. Still, in the world today, 
There exist many theories about God, man and animals, and the creation of this earth. Some are interesting, some are humorous, and others are figments of an active imagination. Very few come even close to the truth. Consider the following possibilities and theories for the origin of man. 1. Some scientists say that man evolved from a little bug that came creeping up out of a swamp and gradually grew legs and arms and stood upright to become a man. Evolution is perhaps the most popular belief and is even taught as factual in public schools. However, science has never yet produced the missing link in these evolutions. It is the wildest unscientific speculation ever published under the title of fact. 2. The Bible presents a few short sentences about the beginning of man by saying he was scooped up like an adobe, some special breathings were blown into it, and suddenly man popped up out of the mud to become a nine real alive mortal. This has been taken literally by some but at best it is merely a figurative representation that Moses used for the rebellious children of Israel. 3. So, too, the Bible makes a strange statement about the creation of woman, that a rib was taken out of the man's side and was used as a crucible for the beginning of females. By some mysterious power this rib was added to, molded and breathed on to miraculously become a woman. This is certainly an interesting story, but neither can it be taken literally and dash so the mystery continues. 4. If God really did use mud in a rib for his method of propagation, it seems he would have continued to use such a method from then on. There would be no reason for adopting some other system. On the other hand, if propagation, as we see it in living things today, was the original method of introducing man to the earth, there would be no reason to use mud in a rib. 5. Some maintain a belief that a spaceship came to this planet leaving some garbage, from which bacteria gradually evolved into all the living things on the earth. 6. Stories exist of how the embryos of man were hurled through space, perhaps in ice, and landed here to thaw and become mankind. 7. Some postulate that a space vehicle landed here and left a small colony of beings to populate this globe. 8. A popular belief exists that God came upon the earth to have a son called Adam and a daughter, Eve we were to carry on the work of creation by propagation. But it is impossible for an immortal being to produce mortal children. 10. These are just some of the assumptions and speculations, but none really reveals the mystery of man's true beginning. To find the accurate account, we need to turn to the prophets of God who receive D. Revelation. Certainly for our dispensation the prophet Joseph Smith and his successor, Brigham Young, should be the main prophets to look to for answers. Even though the actual public announcement clarifying these mysteries came from Brigham Young, he undoubtedly learned the answers from Joseph Smith. On April the 9th, 1852, Brigham Young delivered the sermon at a conference session in Salt Lake City. This discourse became the cause of more heated arguments, doctrinal controversy, and violent reaction from both member and non-member alike than any other oration ever delivered in the church. Since then, Brigham Young has been the victim of more slander, ridicule, and derision than any other president of the Latter-day Saints. Such reactions and contempt were aroused when he taught the position of Adam to the human race. But, in spite of the furor against this Adam-slash-God doctrine by those both in and out of the church, many of the members who claimed it to be one of the most important and disclosing revelations ever given to the saints. In later years, 
Some members would even be excommunicated for advocating it. The doctrine still stands as a classic in theological expose. Because this doctrine is not incorporated into the Articles of Faith, nor is it now recognized as truth by the LDS Church, both the student of scripture and the lay member should, on his own, become acquainted with the history, the basis for, and the principles behind that doctrine rather than just ignoring it or saying it never existed in the church. History shows that it was publicly announced, published in 11, two continents, advocated by members of the First Presidency and most apostles, and even taught by many missionaries. For this reason it cannot be concealed, especially in light of the fact that so many opponents of the church today continue to expose this doctrine in their attempts to discredit the validity of the LDS church and the teachings of Brigham Young. 12. Chapter 2. The Great Announcement. So, I recorded that about six days ago, and uh, this week we had a sick two-year-old that had to stay home with me, even though I work from 5 p.m. to 4 or 5 a.m., and uh had to get as much sleep as I could during the day, but watching a toddler is not easy when you're trying to work at night. So I haven't been able to do the recording for the podcast until today. By the way, today is Saturday, which I considered the Sabbath. So Shabbat Shalom to everyone out there who considers this a Sabbath. I'll do the reading portion of the program now. Um, My son was sick all the way up until Wednesday, but on Tuesday night, the babysitter told my wife that her husband's father is in the hospital in the ICU for COVID. So they had to go down to Arizona. So just say a prayer for the Lansing family. My wife is on Christmas break for the next two weeks, so... I should be able to put some more of these programs out. And uh, I get three days off for Christmas, the 24th, the 25th, and the 26th. So that'll be a nice break. But that, with my child being sick, and then my two daughters were also sick on Wednesday and Thursday. And then... My semi-truck broke down twice this week. It has been a very, very long week for me. (laughs) I I decided that this is the book that I wanted to start with now that we've ended the other books. So we'll be reading Mystery of Creation, Chapter 1 of Adam, Michael Adam, which talks about the history and our theological understanding of the Adam-God doctrine. And, uh, of course, I'll add my commentary as well. But let's get into the reading. It is the first principle of the gospel to know for a certainty the character of God, Joseph Smith, There are but very few beings in the world who understand rightly the character of God. That's another quote from Joseph Smith. 
you know, just the interactions that I've had with Heavenly Father, it brings to mind, and I'm paraphrasing, but Joseph Smith talked about how liberal God really is. And understanding that the rules that the uh, God, the Eternal Father, and the Elohim have set forth for our Father show that there has to be a specific structure in which things are done. But I think you would be surprised to know that Heavenly Father has emotions. He has a character that he laughs. He smiles, he gets upset, he gets angry, just like any of us would. When God showed me who I am in 2013, it took me a minute to realize what he was showing me, even though he made it very plain. And I looked at him and I said, am I the witness? And with a big smile on his face, he says, well, it has to be somebody. It was like that he was amused that I was waking up and seeing things that he was trying to tell me. He had been trying to tell me for a while, but I just couldn't believe it, even though I had seen him face to face in 2003 in the flesh. Now, this experience that I had with him in 2013, where he showed me who I am, that was a spiritual experience. But the one in 2003 was a physical experience, where I saw him and embraced him in the flesh. And I know that Joseph Smith taught the Adam-God doctrine and that Brigham Young revealed it more fully when the church was prepared to to receive that information. But let's get into it. So this is the preface in chapter 1. There seems to be no end to the mysteries surrounding the creation of mankind. This and other worlds, and even the creation and identity of God himself, the prophet Joseph Smith once said, quote, We can never comprehend the things of God and of heaven, but by revelation. We may spiritualize and express opinions to all eternity, but that is no authority. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 292. For this reason, we need to look to the words of the prophets as well as personal revelation to help in understanding many of these mysteries. Without spiritual guidance, we tend to follow the customs, traditions, and teachings of the world, a world with very little spiritual understanding. The purpose of this book is to help in answering such questions as who created the spirits? and the bodies of mortals on this earth. When, how, and why did we come here? Who is the God of this earth? With the gospel restoration in these last days came important information on these subjects. Available within these pages are the history and teaching of what has become known as the Adam-God Doctrine as it was recorded by early leaders of the LDS Church and then evolved into its current stage of denial. Page 7, Chapter 1, Introduction, The Mystery of Creation. Theologians, scientists, philosophers, in fact, nearly all mortals at some time have wondered how mankind got to this earth. For, for many centuries, various theories have been propounded and discussed, but seldom have any of them carried the spirit of truth until the time of the gospel restoration in 1830. Speculation and disputation had caused contention and division among religious sects and scientists alike. 
Most people still remember the famous monkey trial that was debated for several days in the courts between Darwin theory and biblical statements. Nothing was proved or resolved, and people remain in the same state of confusion as before. With the restoration of the gospel, the Lord has said, quote, For I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, things that pertain to the disp- our dispensation of the fullness of times. Doctrine and Covenants, section 124, verse 41. So in one of my Facebook groups, somebody said, can a church be true and the restoration not be complete? And I went back to 124 and I was like, yeah, this, that there can be many true things revealed in the restoration, but the restoration not be, not be complete. In Doctrine and Covenants section 124, Jesus tells us that he wants to reveal things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the earth, but the requirement of the saints to build that temple in Nauvoo was what had to happen in order for him to begin to reveal mysteries in that place, and that temple was never finished. In fact, I know I've gone over this so many times before, but I'm just going to say it again. Starting in verse 27 of Doctrine and Covenants, section 124, Jesus tells Joseph Smith to build a temple whereby the, the Most High can come dwell therein, that he, not Jesus, but the Most High, can come to restore that which was lost to you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. So here in Doctrine and Covenants 124 verses 27 and 28, we see that Jesus is telling Joseph Smith to build a temple so that the Father, the Most High, can come to other in, that he might restore the fullness of the priesthood. Now, some people believe that because the Father, or because this says that the fullness of the priesthood had to be restored, that that meant that the Melchizedek priesthood had been taken away from the church at the Isaac Morley farm, and that's not what it means. In order to come into the presence of the Father or the Most High, you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood to begin with. You cannot come into his presence for him to restore anything to you without that priesthood. You can have visions about him, you can see him in vision, whatever, but you cannot come into his physical presence for him to restore anything at all to you unless you already have the Melchizedek priesthood to be with you. And Joseph Smith taught that. So these individuals who teach that the Melchizedek priesthood had been taken off the earth, I guarantee you it has not been taken off the earth. There was no way that I came into the physical presence of the Father and the sign in 2003 without having the Melchizedek priesthood. Um, but we know that the temple was never finished. Now, the, the church wants to try to gaslight you and tell you that the church was finished, the temple was finished, that, you know, the, all the condemnation that's spoken of in Doctrine and Co- Covenants section 124 where Jesus actually says if they don't do what he says, that he will reject them as a church with their dead. Well, that never happened. That's what they say. We we never were rejected. We have the, the keys and the authority and all of these things, but just something to consider. We have two temples in the beginning of the restoration. We have the Kirtland Temple, which was accepted, And we have the Nauvoo Temple. Now, the Kirtland Temple had the Shekinah glory of God come upon it. Light emanated from that temple. Angels came to that temple. Like, people saw angels walking around and on the temple. Like, we have Elijah and Moses and God and all kinds of stuff happening in that temple. But that didn't happen in Nauvoo. 
Jesus says that, that the saints have to build this temple for the Father to come dwell therein. That he, that he, not somebody else, can restore the, the fullness of the priesthood. And that had to happen inside the temple, not in the red brick store. And that only could happen, not by the endowment either. Jesus says that the Most High has to come restore it. Well, the Shekinah glory of God never rested upon the Nauvoo Temple. Jesus never came to the Nauvoo Temple, and the Father never came to the Nauvoo Temple, and no angel ever went to that temple. In fact, the saints were taking the wood that they were cutting down up in Wisconsin and floating down the Mississippi for the building of the temple, and they were building all kinds of other things with it, including a Masonic Lodge. And Brigham Young was building the second wing of his mansion. They were dragging their feet. They had assigned groups that would work on the temple once every 10 days. They called it a temple tithe. So once every 10 days, your group would go work on the temple. In section 124, Jesus says that he wants to reveal all these things and restore the times and seasons, which are the modim or the holy days of Jehovah. He, he wants to give all of these revelations in that temple and that never happened. And he says all they who hinder this work will be cursed to the third and fourth generation, which is interesting because... That revelation was given in January of 2000 and, or of uh, 1841. So 1841, four generations, is 160 years later. That's 2001. I get 40 years because one generation of the Moses leading the Israelites in the wilderness was 40 years. Well, from the time the revelation was given. Joseph Smith was taken almost exactly three and a half years after that revelation was given. God allowed him to be murdered. God did not have to allow this to happen. Um, myself, I have been protected by God many times, including having bullets whiz past my face in Jersey City. Um, my semi-truck got shot up by a bunch of drunk Indians south of Page, Arizona. You know, um, I've been shot at in Ogden, Utah, where my car was all punctured with bullet holes. And then when I was younger, when I was like 16, my cousin accidentally, um, he was flushing out some sage grouse and I was up on the ridge and the, the birds flew straight towards me and he flipped his shotgun around and shot off two right at me and uh, everything went into slow motion and I, I remember falling down on my back and watching these black clouds of BBs go right where my head was um, I've been blown up and uh, I wasn't singed uh, everybody thought I was dead because I was right by the explosion and uh, I was untouched. Um, I've been in in close calls with head-on collisions where I should have had a head-on with uh, another individual on I-15 going, he was going south toward, towards Vegas near Moapa and Rome warm springs and uh, right before he hit me he bounced off and nothing in front of me and uh, the rocks came up and they shattered the windshield my hands were up on top of the steering wheel so I had glass shards in my fingers but I should have been dead that guy should have been dead but we're not dead my friends used to call me Lazarus and uh, that's why my Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Lazarus 1977. And the reason for that is because 
there's been so many times where I've been stabbed or hung or poisoned or blown up or shot at where I'm still here. God doesn't allow me to die because there is a time appointed for me to die and I'm not going to die until that time comes. That guy in Jersey City that shot at me, he emptied his clip about 15 feet from me. And the bullets went flying all around me, but none of them hit me. I was standing in front of a building in Jersey City, and uh, on the sidewalk, there's no lawns or anything there. And the bullets, as they hit the building behind me, the, the shattered brick would come down on me. And when he finished emptying his clip out he put his gun like down in his hand and then he said he had respect for me I think it's because I just stared him down I probably would have beat him to death if it wasn't for his uh, there was like three or four other guys standing on the corner behind him watching him do it But God wasn't going to allow me to die. Now, I never walked back through that neighborhood ever again. I used to go there all the time because there was a truck stop. And I could walk from the truck stop to Journal Square and catch a subway to go into Manhattan. But Joseph Smith didn't have to die. God could have protected him. But Joseph Smith went willingly to the slaughter like a lamb, like a lamb to the slaughter. The saints were not listening to him. He was trying to tell them not to do land speculation, which they were getting rich on, and they wouldn't listen to him. They were stealing the temple wood to build the temple to do other things, which he did not approve of. And on June 27, 1844, God took Joseph and Hiram away from the saints. The temple was never finished, and they were cursed to the third and fourth generations. Now, Lyman White in 1843 talked about how he knew that the church had been rejected and that they were in a a poor and uh, sorry, pitiful state or something to that effect. But you go out from 1841, 1843, and 1844, 160 years, that's 2001, 2003, 2004. And in 2003, that's when I saw the Father and the Son face to face, and I kneeled down before the Father, and he sealed me up into himself, that I might have my calling and election made sure. And he made me a link to men on the earth for the law of adoption, which had been done away with by the church. And he gave me the fullness of the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom. And that was exactly 160 years after he rejected the church. When Jesus says... All they who hinder this work will be cursed to the third and fourth generation. That's exactly what happened. But the LDS Church and others of the churches, they did things that that were good. It's just that pretty much Revelation went down to a trickle after that. And then now we don't have Revelation at all inside the church. But we do have Revelation on the earth. Because I have received many, thus saith the Lord, revelations. Um, I know I'm going off onto a tangent here, but when the church claims to be, the leaders claim to be the oracles of God, and if you have the oracles, you have the church, it's just ridiculous that they will take a word and they will give it a new definition and people won't question that definition and they'll just go along with it. In ancient... Hebrew, the word oracle means the same thing as it means today. 
it means that God gives a revelation to a prophet and the prophet delivers that oration to the people. The oration of God is the oracle, not the individual delivering it. So when Dallin Oaks or um, Russell Nelson or any of these guys claim to be the oracles of God, they are giving you a false definition of what an oracle is. And they don't receive, thus saith the Lord, revelations. You know, I, I think it's ever, it's interesting that people will say that, well, Russell Nelson knew that the pandemic was coming. Or here's another one that in the last days there will be many who will fall away from the church because of this, that, or the other. And they're looking at the statistics of of the church hemorrhaging members falling away, and then they have a revelation about how in the last days this will happen after it's already happening, and the people say that that's a revelation. It's not a revelation. It's them looking at statistics. The temple was never finished. God wanting to reveal things, he never could because they were not obedient. They would not do as he instructed them. And Jesus said, if they don't do what I say, I will reject the church with the dead. It's right in section 124. Go look it up. But but the church will gaslight you and say that never happened. Just like they gaslight you with the Adam God doctrine that was taught by Joseph Smith, when we'll get into that, but it was taught. It was taught by Joseph Smith, but Brigham Young really laid it out. Now I don't accept Brigham Young as the Lord's anointed because I believe the church was rejected, but it doesn't mean that he didn't learn these things from Joseph Smith and get revelation for himself on the subject. Because you can get revelation. And it have nothing to do with you being the Lord's anointed or even a prophecy or a revelator. So anyway, I'm going to continue on with the reading. The great prophet Joseph Smith understood what the Lord was saying and he commented. Hold on. My, my two daughters, who I have told to be quiet several times. Are, I don't know if you guys can hear them, but hey, you guys, come here. Both of you, come here. Would you like to say hi since you keep on making all the noise? Say hi. Hi. And what are you guys doing that you're not supposed to be doing, Amberly? Playing on a switch. And how come you're making all the noises, Eliza? Uh, because of Bob the ghost. Because of Bob the ghost? <laughs> you're being a liar. You need to stop. Okay, I'm trying to record, so can you guys please be quiet? Yes. If you have to, you can go into the kitchen and make me breakfast. What? They're eight and six years old, so... Anyway, all right, so that was my daughter, Eliza and Amberly. Daughters, Eliza and Amberly. And they're ridiculous. Everybody thinks they're twins because they're like the same height. And they wear the same clothes all the time. But they're adorable. But I probably shouldn't say that around them. I don't want them to get a big head. <laughs> anyway, but... um. Getting back into the reading, the great prophet Joseph Smith understood what the Lord was saying and he when he commented, quote, There are many things which belong to the powers of, of the priesthood and the keys thereof that have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world. They are hid from the wise and prudent to be revealed in the last times. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 4, page 209 and 210. Part of the reason why God has revealed so much to me is because I am the one that was meant to give it. So second, or Nephi, when he is talking about the vision that John saw, he said that the spirit stoppeth his utterance and that it was basically John's to tell. 
well, things have been hinted at over time. Joseph Smith hinted at them when he was alive on the earth, but they were mine to give. And these things have been revealed. A lot of things, multiple mortal probations, the progression of the gods, uh, why polygamy is important, all of these things. God has has waited and then he has taken me up in the spirit and shown me many things, including the war in heaven, who God the eternal father is, how spirits come from the intelligence, um, just a ton of stuff. But they were revealed to me because I was the one that was meant to deliver it to the world. And so many from the tribe of Ephraim will reject it because I'm not Russell M. Nelson. But section 124, Jesus says he would reject the church. So this whole idea that Russell Nelson has keys is just preposterous. You know, they get their keys from Brigham Brigham Young. So supposedly. But then they reject so many things that Brigham Young said. They'll say that they can't lead you astray because the president of the church can never lead you astray. Well, Brigham Young was effectively the president from 1845 to 1877. But they'll say that he led the church astray with seven deadly heresies or many, many, many false doctrines. Blood atonement and the penalties and like just a whole bunch of stuff. But they'll reject him up, up one side and down the other and then they'll say... The LDS church leaders cannot lead you astray, but then they say that he led them astray. It's just, it's schizophrenia in an organization that continues to reject more and more truth as time goes on. And I know you're never going to see that if you're only studying the correlated doctrines that they're giving you, but over time, they change. They've changed the gospel. They've changed words in the Book of Mormon and the Bible. They have changed the temple endowment a great deal. They've changed doctrines. They've changed ordinances. God is not the author of change, unless it's changed to correct apostasy. But the restoration was not apostasy. What happened after was apostasy, where they changed things. They changed who Jesus and Jehovah were. They changed all kinds of stuff because Satan's gotten his claws into the kingdom, and he is over time changing things. The restoration has brought a flood of light upon many hidden and lost truths. However... Many more remain, as the prophet Joseph said, he could divulge only a very few of the things which the Lord had revealed to him. And part of that was the saints weren't ready for it. They would kill him if he said who he was. And he said that too. I wish I could tell you who I am, brethren, but there are men on the stand behind me who would kill me for saying it and blasphemy would be nothing to it. Some of you know who Joseph Smith is. Some of you know who I am. But he couldn't reveal that to the people because they weren't ready for it. He couldn't reveal many things at that time because it was not yet time for that to be revealed. But in 2003, he opened the last part of the dispensation for the coming of father michael and jesus christ and myself and all of the things that have to happen and this is the day and this this is the time for these things to be revealed and god would have liked to have done that in a temple but that temple was never built the manti temple the saint george temple the salt lake temple The Shekinah glory of God never came upon those temples because they had already been rejected and nothing they could do was going to fix that. 
the time had to play out 160 years had to play out just as Jesus said and that's why in 2000 that's why God waited until 2003 to give me the fullness of the priesthood and reveal him to to myself himself to myself and fullness in in physicality if you will so let me just read this however many more remain as the prophet joseph said he could divulge only a very few of the things which the lord had revealed to him brigham young said the prophet left the elders of israel in the dark on many mysteries because they were unable to receive the knowledge that god wanted them to understand Joseph Smith revealed a few of these mysteries in one of his last and great addresses called the King Follett Discourse. Other information was revealed to him to a few revealed by him to a few trusted friends, at least one concerning some of the mysteries of creation of the Godhead, part of which was later made public by Brigham Young. Um, also, the lecture at the Grove was the last lecture that he gave and it was incomplete because a rainstorm came but there were many the the lecture at the grove and the king full of discourse are two discourses that it takes you a long time to understand and you have to have revelation to really get it but they're some of the most deep theological statements that are lectures that Joseph Smith ever did and they're so packed with truth people I really encourage people to go read those there are they're available as PDFs online still in the world today there exists many theories about God man and animals and the creation of this earth some are interesting some are humorous and others are figments of an active imagination very few come even close to the truth. Consider the following possibilities and theories for the origin of man. Number one, some scientists claim that man evolved from a little bug that came creeping out of a swamp and eventually grew legs and arms and stood upright to become a man. Evolution is perhaps the most popular belief and is even taught as a as factual in public schools. However, scientists has never yet produced the missing link in these evolutions. It is the wildest unscientific speculation ever published under the title of fact. Number two. The Bible presents a few short sentences about the beginning of man by saying he was scooped up like an adobe. Some special breathings were blown into it, and suddenly man popped out of the mud and became a real living mortal. This has been taken literally by some, but at best it is merely a figurative representation of that Moses used for the rebellious children of Israel. Number three. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, by the way, taking care of sick kids during the week tends to get you sick as well. So I am actually sick, but it's not too bad. So, so long. Uh, so too, the Bible makes a strange statement about the creation of women that a rib was taken out of man's side and was used as a crucible for the beginning of females. By some mysterious power, this rib was added to and molded and breathed on to miraculously become a woman. This is certainly an interesting story, but neither can it be taken literally, and so the mystery continues. If God really did use mud and a rib for his method of propagation, it seems he would have continued to use such a method from one then then on. 
there would be no reason for adopting some other system. On the other hand, if propagation as we see in see it in the living things today was the original method of introducing men to the earth, there would be no reason to use mud in a rib. Number five. Some maintain a belief that a spaceship came to this planet leaving some garbage from which bacteria gradually evolved into all of the living things on the Earth. Well, heck, if that's how it works, then we should, like, shoot some garbage at the moon (laughs) or Mars. Number six, stories exist of how the embryos of man were hurled through space, perhaps in ice, and landed here to thaw and become mankind. Number seven, some postulate that a a space vehicle landed here and left a small colony of beings to populate this globe. I like that theory. Because I've seen God's crystal ships that he goes into space with they, I don't really talk about that a whole lot but like I don't know if you guys really get it God the eternal father and God the eternal mother became self aware spirit individuals so long ago that you can't even really measure it in time It's just... This, this, this society of gods has learned how to become technical. They've learned all of the laws of the universe. They know how everything works. And they use a technology that is so far beyond anything that we could even possibly imagine. And they continue to use that technology... To do the work that they do. It's so far beyond Deep Space Nine or Star Trek or Star Wars that I just, I wish that you guys could, could see and understand the things that God has shown me. And yet I know that you're not ready for it. that it would be on such a grand scale of fantasy to you that your minds couldn't even comprehend what you are seeing if you were to see it. Our God is an awesome God in more ways than you can even begin to fathom. And our God is not even nearer as advanced as God the Eternal Father or the other Elohim. You know, it talks about in the Doctrine and Covenants that when we go to the Celestial Kingdom that we'll receive a white stone so that we can see orders of magnitude above the Celestial Kingdom. Like, go and look at it. Like, everybody thinks the Celestial Kingdom's the be-all, end-all. It's not. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. Number eight, a popular belief exists that God came upon the earth to have a son called Adam and a daughter called Eve, who were to carry on the work of creation by propagation. But it is impossible for an immortal being to produce mortal children. We're on page 10, by the way. These are just some of the assumptions and speculations, but none really reveal the mystery of man's true beginning. To find the accurate account, we need to turn to the prophets of God who receive revelation. Certainly, for our dispensation, the prophet Joseph Smith and his successor Brigham Young, successor Brigham Young 
should be the main prophets to look to for answers. Even even though the pro, the actual public... Hold on. You guys, I can take that away from you if you can't calm down. Calm down. They're playing uh, the Switch, the Mario Brothers, and they've got it out of its cradle, and they're both, like, leaning on the couch next to me with the little controllers, and they are freaking out because they're trying to beat each other. And they're ridiculous, but anyway. Even though the actual public announcement clarifying these mysteries came from Brigham Young, he undoubtedly learned the answers from Joseph Smith. On April 9, 1852, Brigham Young delivered a sermon at the conference session in Salt Lake City. This discourse became the cause of more heated arguments, doctrinal con- controversy, and violent reaction from both members and non-members alike than any other oration ever delivered in the church. Since then, Brigham Young has been a victim of more slander, ridicule, and derision than any other president of the Latter-day Saints. And like I said before, like they'll like... They can't cut him off completely because that's who they get their authority from. But they reject a lot of what Brigham said and they'll make all kinds of excuses for it. (coughs) They make all kinds of excuses for it, but then they'll say, you know, you can't trust Brigham because he was a man of his time and he's just speculating and blah, blah, blah. But then they'll say but you can you can listen to us and we will never lead you astray because the president of the church and the 12 apostles cannot lead you astray well that goes against the scriptures for one but but then how do you sit there as presidents and leaders of the church and and reject so much of what Brigham Young said and then dare to say the other things that you say about how you could never do what Brigham did I mean, they don't put it like that, but they might as well, you know. It's just gaslighting, and it's disgusting. They lie for God. They think they lie for God, but their God is not the God of of Joseph Smith. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but these are Babylonian businessmen who have hijacked the church and turned it into a cult and into a a factory of perdition and what do I mean by that when I was a missionary for the church we would teach people about the first vision about the 1838 I think version of the first vision and we'd tell them about the Book of Mormon and all of that And then we'd get people to pray and ask if Joseph Smith was a prophet and if the Book of Mormon was true. Like I did when I prayed and I asked God if Joseph Smith was a prophet and the Book of Mormon was true. And like the Spirit testified to the truth of it. And then once people get that in their head that, yes, Brigham Young, I mean, Joseph Smith was a prophet and the Book of Mormon's true, then we begin to tell them about these principles and they can pray about the principles. But they never ask God to find out if the LDS church is his true church on the earth. They just assume it. They think that because A and B are true, that C must be true as well, and it's not. So people get a witness of the Holy Spirit to the reality of the prophet Joseph Smith and to the Book of Mormon. And then they find out about the history of the church and how the church has lied and covered things up and all kinds of stuff. And they they throw the church out and they throw the truth out with it. And they slander and libel against Joseph Smith when it was the church that gave them the whitewashed history. That combined with the anti-Mormon lies, they just threw out the truth, even though they've gotten a witness of the Holy Ghost that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. And when you reject the truth that God gives you, 
when you reject the witness that God has given you, there are curses that come along with that, and some become perdition. But they have turned my church, my Savior's church, into a a cult and made it into a, a factory of perdition. Anyway, continuing on, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this again because uh, I started coughing. This do- discourse became the cause of more heated arguments, doctrinal controversy, and violent reactions from both members and non-members alike than any other oration ever delivered in the church. Since then, Brigham Young has been the victim of more slander, ridicule, and derision than any other president of the Latter-day Saints. Such reactions and contempt were aroused when he taught the position of Adam to the human race. But in spite of the furor against this Adam-God doctrine by those both in and out of the church, many of the members acclaimed it to be one of the greatest and most important and disclosing revelations ever given to the saints. In later years, some members would even be excommunicated for advocating it. And like, I didn't even advocate it. I just said that I believed it, and that was enough for me to get excommunicated. And my aunt went through the same thing. She said that she believed the Adam-God doctrine, and her bishop said, if it wasn't for the fact that you have nine kids, I would excommunicate you right now for that. Like, they don't care about finding out why somebody believes, you know, the thing. They just want to cut you off because they don't want you to talk about it. They don't want you to tell others about it. So if they excommunicate you, then they make it so you're not allowed to talk. And you want your membership back, you'll you'd jump through hoops to get it back. In later years, some members would even be excommunicated for advocating it. The doctrine still stands as a classic and theological expose. Because the doctrine is not incorporated in the Articles of Faith, nor is it now recognized as truth by the Latter-day Saint Church, both the student of Scripture and the lay member should, on his own, become acquainted with the history, the basis for, and the principles behind that doctrine rather than just ignoring it or saying it never existed in the church. <coughs> history shows that it, ha- that it was publicly announced and that it was published on two continents It was advocated by members of the First Presidency and most of the Apostles and even taught by many missionaries. For this reason, it cannot be concealed, especially in light of the fact that so many opponents of the Church today continue to expose this doctrine in their attempts to discredit the validity of the LDS Church. and the teachings of Brigham Young. So that's the end of that chapter. The next chapter is called The Great Announcement, where we'll actually read the Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 50, where Brigham Young talks about the Adam-God Doctrine in General Conference. So, and we'll be on page 12 when we get to that point. Now, if you want to read this for yourself, you can go to the... uh, ogdenkraut.com and click on read Ogden's books and then scroll down to Michael Adam and then start on page 12 since we've read the first part of the book but this is the book that I'm going to be covering until I'm finished covering it however long that takes and uh, I'm just grateful that that I have this format where I cannot, or that I'm not, I might be shadow banned, but people can hear 
these things and they can consider these things and ponder and get your own revelation, you know. I might not be able to walk into a Sunday Sunday school service or a sacrament meeting and talk about these things, but I can talk about them and share them with you, and you can consider them for yourself, at least understand the history of it, even if you don't believe it. So, anyway, thank you everyone for listening to the program. Take care, God bless, and Shabbat Shalom.